This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on insurance. Today I'd like to speak about structural failures and how a failure of a structure can result in a construction defect and, of course, an insurance claim to pay for it. Structural integrity failures can involve any of the following. Concrete, masonry, carpentry, or foundations. Improper site preparation brings about some of these failures. A building site that is not properly prepared can cause serious damage to a structure or its occupants after the structure is completed. Defects related to site preparation can be brought about by any of the following. 1. Building on expansive soil or other defective soils incapable of properly supporting structures. 2. Building on contaminated soils. 3. Lack of a slab-on-grade foundation when the soils are acetic and can cause the deterioration of concrete. Or 4. Building on improperly compacted soils, which can cause interior distress to cabinets and countertops, make doors difficult to open, and cause structures to settle. Cracking in stucco, drywall, plaster, interior walls, windows, tile floors, concrete flatwork, slabs, and garage flooring. In one case involving a newly constructed condominium, problems began surfacing almost immediately upon completion of the project and before any policy of insurance was issued. Cracking and uplifting in the pool area and driveway were found, apparently caused because cracks or improperly sealed joints allowed moisture to infiltrate the underlying expansive subgrade soils. The soil engineer's investigation indicated that although normal precautions such as saturation of the underlying subgrade soils and placement of a layer of sand prior to pouring the concrete, were purportedly taken. Greater efforts in this regard, including adding rebar to the concrete pool decking, should have been made when repairs were performed. The insurer tried to avoid all payments because the construction defects existed before the policy came into effect. This effort failed only because there were other unknown defects, and those defects, known before the policy, were not insurable, but those unknown defects were insurable in a case called Chu versus Canadian Indemnity, a 1990 decision of the California Court of Appeal. In Texas, when a completed home developed problems with a shifting foundation, a suit was filed alleging violation of the Texas De Deceptive Trade Practices Act and negligence. On the first day of trial, the plaintiff settled with one defendant and proceeded against another. The district court granted a directed verdict on the claim 
that there was a violation of the DTPA with a breach of an implied warranty of good and workmanlike performance. Only the plaintiff's negligence claim was submitted to the jury, which found no negligence on the defendant's part. The district court therefore rendered a take-nothing judgment. The Ninth Circuit, dealing with the right to insurance for damages caused by expansive soil, found that under California law, a latent defect exclusion applies to third-party negligence that is discoverable only through subsequent intensive expert investigation. Because there was no evidence that the contractor's negligence in the case was discoverable, short of an in-depth expert investigation and inspection after the fact, the Ninth Circuit concluded that the insurer was entitled to summary judgment on its exclusion for latent defects. The Tenth Circuit also found coverage available for the defense of a claim of damage caused by expansive soil when 51 homeowners experienced structural problems. Interestingly enough, although the trial court determined there was no coverage under the policy, the district court's non-coverage ruling did not exclude the insurer from fully defending the claims in the first instance. Insurers have not been happy paying construction defect claims. They have rewritten their policies in an attempt to avoid paying for damages caused by an insured contractor who constructed a defective building causing damage to property owners. For example, Doug and Karen Crownover contracted with Aero Development Inc. to construct a house for them in Texas. Aero performed defective work and then failed to promptly correct the work. The Crownovers spent a significant amount of money paying to correct the work themselves. The dispute was presented to an arbitrator who found Arrow liable to the Crownovers for breaching of its express warranty to repair non-conforming work and awarded the Crownovers damages. Because Arrow filed for bankruptcy, however, the Crownovers were limited to recovery what they could from Arrow's insurance policies. They sued Mid-Continent Casualty Company and... Arrow's insurer in federal court for the damages owed to them by Arrow, and both sides moved for summary judgment. Mid-Continent convinced the trial court that it, its contractual liability exclusion deprived Arrow of coverage and granted its summary judgment against the Crownovers. In Crownover v. Mid-Continent Casualty, a 2014 decision of a Texas appellate court, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, was presented a principal question to determine whether a contractual provision in the construction contract between the Crownovers and Arrow, which obligated Arrow to repair its work, where that work failed to conform to the requirements of the construction contract, was an assumption of liability that exceeded Arrow's liability under general Texas law, thereby triggering 
a contractual liability exclusion in Arrow's insurance contract with Mid-Continent. If the contractual liability exclusion did not apply, the question became whether any other exclusion for coverage applied. In October of 2001, the Crownovers entered into a construction contract with Arrow to construct their house in Sunnyvale, Texas. The contract also contained a warranty to repair clause, which in its paragraph 23.1 provided that Arrow would promptly correct work failing to conform to the requirements of the contract documents. The Crownovers attempted to have Arrow correct the problems and eventually sought legal relief. Their demand letters were forwarded to Midcontinent, but to no avail. The Crownovers initiated an arbitration proceeding against Arrow. The arbitrator found that the HVAC system was not installed properly, did not perform as required, and exhibited numerous deficiencies, as identified by the various consultants and contractors who evaluated the system and the arbitrator therefore determined that Arrow is responsible for the costs associated with replacement of the HVAC system less betterment. The arbitrator also found that the foundation failed and that Arrow was responsible for the costs of repairing the foundation. Accordingly, the arbitrator concluded that the Crownovers had a meritorious claim for breach of the express warranty to repair contained in paragraph 23.1 of the contract with Arrow, which was not barred by the statute of limitations. Because the arbitrator awarded damages to the Crownovers on that ground, she declined to decide whether the Crownovers' other claims were barred by a statute of limitations. Arrow later filed for bankruptcy, and the Crownovers sued Bidcontinent. Several exclusions applied to this general coverage position. The district court concluded that one of them, the contractual liability exclusion, applied to the case such that Midcontinent was not obligated to indemnify Arrow for the damages it owed the Crownovers. The exclusion stated, quote, This insurance does not apply to property damage for which the insured is obligated to pay damages by reason of the assumption of liability in a contract or agreement. There is, however, an exception to this exclusion for liability that, quote, the insured would have in the absence of the contract or agreement, close quote. Under Texas law, the insured has the initial burden of establishing coverage under the terms of the policy. If the insured proves coverage, then to avoid liability, the insurer must prove the loss is within an exclusion. If the insurer proves that an exclusion applies, the burden shifts back to the insured to show that an exception to the exclusion brings the claim back within coverage. Independent of its contractual obligations, the contractor owed a duty to comply with law and to conduct its operations with ordinary care so as not to damage the property. Following oral argument in this case, a panel of the Fifth Circuit certified two questions to the Texas Supreme Court 
that are germane to the crown over's dispute with mid-continent. One, does a general contractor that enters into a contract in which it agrees to perform its construction work in a good and workmanlike manner, without more, specific provisions enlarging the obligation assume liability for damages arising out of the contractor's defective work so as to trigger the contractual liability exclusion? And two, if the answer to the question one is yes, and the contractual liability exclusion is triggered, do the allegations in the underlying lawsuit alleging that the contractor violated its common law duty to perform the contract in a careful, workmanlike, and non-negligent manner fall within the exception to the contractual liability exclusion for liability that would exist in the absence of contract. The Texas Supreme Court answered the first question no and did not answer the second question. The arbitrator in this case found in favor of the Crownovers, concluding that Arrow had breached the express warranty to repair. The insuring agreement required Midcontinent to pay those sums that Arrow became legally obligated to pay as damages because of property damage to which the insurance applied. In this case, the defective installation of the HVAC system caused the system to be deficient and eventually required the stressed mechanical units to be replaced. There can be no doubt that the HVAC units were themselves tangible property and therefore the loss of their use amounted to property damage. Therefore, Arrow's defective work was an occurrence that caused the HVAC system and the foundation to require repairs, which amounted to property damage, the subject of the insurance. The Crownovers thus met their initial burden of establishing coverage under the insurance policy. The general law creates a duty to perform under the terms of a contract with reasonable care. Implicit in every contract is a common law duty to perform the terms of the contract with care, skill, and reasonable experience. Mid-Continent failed to prove that express duty to repair nonconforming work, expanded Arrow's obligations. They have proven the converse. Under the facts as determined by the arbitrator, there can be little doubt that Arrow's adjudicated liability was no greater than that called for by the general law. The arbitrator found that both the foundation and the HVAC systems began showing signs of problems shortly after the crownovers moved in. The HVAC system was not installed properly, did not perform as required, exhibited numerous deficiencies and failures, and the units eventually had to be replaced. The foundation failed, and Arrow did not repair it, and Arrow was responsible for the associated costs or replacing both the foundation and the HVAC system. Mid-Continent failed to proffer evidence, creating a dispute of fact as to whether the arbitrator's award was based on liability greater than that dictated by the general law. Therefore, the contractual liability exclusion from coverage did not apply. 
since the damages found by the arbitrator created an occurrence as defined by the policy coverage applied mid-continent owed indemnity to arrow it should have defended arrow in the arbitration and should have avoided the lawsuit reliance on the exclusion although sufficient to convince the trial court judge failed because of the need to interpret the contract as a whole arrow was clearly negligent in performing its duties and was driven out of business because of its negligence. This case teaches that a policy and exclusion must be read as a whole. If Midcontinent wanted its exclusion to apply to all events, it should have eliminated the exception to the exclusion that it does not apply to damages that would have resulted had there been no concrete contract damages. This video was adapted from my book, Construction Defects and Insurance, Volume 2, which is available as both a Kindle book and as a paperback from Amazon.com. If, if you found the video to be useful or interesting to your colleagues, please pass it on. It's free. And please also subscribe to my YouTube channel and my Rumble channel, clicking on the like and rumble buttons as you read. And please also subscribe to my blog and my Substack publication so that you can be advised of future publications. Thank you for your attention.